Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. In addition to our courses on yoga, meditation, and personal development, Commune also offers an array of social impact courses, including Unwinding Prejudice, Redefining Leadership, and Organize a March. If you are interested in enrolling in any of those course offerings for free, please email me at jeffk at onecommune.com. Right now, I think we can all benefit from learning and growing in order to better serve our communities. I have started writing a weekly Sunday article called Commusings, where I wax alternately poetic and pathetic around spirituality, philosophy, and culture. And on occasion, I will also record these screeds as bonus episodes for this podcast. So today, in honor of America, my soulful, complicated, beautiful country that I love, I share with you a piece entitled Interdependence Day. I am in my happy place, snug in the middle lane of the 101, coasting at a modest 60 miles per hour, listening to the daily, driving to Topanga with Micah. Skyler thinks I drive too slowly. I prefer cautious. It might be genetic. My beloved Nana, barely five feet in heels, seldom broke 25 on the speedometer. As a young boy, I would often accompany her to her sacred weekly hairdresser appointment. There was a soda fountain there in which I enthusiastically indulged, creating madcap paper cup cocktails of Mr. Pibb and Fanta. Eventually, she'd emerge from the chair, grip my hand, her long, glossy red nails digging at my forearm skin, and lead me out to the mini-mall parking lot. Automobiles did not spare steel in the 1970s. Nana would board her colossal Cadillac, often unwittingly parked askew across two spots, like a mouse saddling an elephant. She didn't drive it as much as it drove her. She'd crawl out of the lot into traffic like a cruise liner leaving port, eyes peering out underneath the top curve of the steering wheel, nothing but her fabulous frosted red coiffure visible to leery fellow drivers. She would retell the same yarn of her father's arrival at Ellis Island and then improvise with Ethel Merman schmaltz, only in America. We'd stop to get Carvel. Heaven. Generally, one podcast episode perfectly fills my commute to Topanga. Fourth of July weekend approaches and host Michael Barbaro is reciting our founding doctrine from our greatest piece of American literature. We know it almost too well, like a prayer uttered so many times we forget its meaning. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these 
our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This lofty egalitarian ideal is the plotline of our national mythology. In its time, it was a radical repudiation of feudal European predestiny, where you were born either into aristocracy or serfdom, and there you remained. This declaration dispensed with the divine right of kings, ushered in the Enlightenment, and anointed individuals with the power to choose their own government. Of course, we know this national folklore has so often been a fairy tale, a false narrative. Just because these rights were scrawled on a parchment did not mean they came for free. Generation after generation, passionately engaged citizens have waged principal battles to better align our human condition with our most cherished principles. And again, this call beckons. When the framers penned the notion of all men as equals, they were certainly not drawing from evolutionary biology. A Darwinian understanding of the world was a century away, and of course, from a genetic perspective, we are all snowflakes. The concept of equality was based in the spiritual, specifically in the Judeo-Christian notion that every person is born with an eternal soul judged equally before God. Yet, in this same stanza of this declaration, there is a paradox. The spiritual notion of a land of equals, striving for a common good, echoed 11 years later in our Constitution by we the people, a common defense, general welfare, a more perfect union, and united states, exists in stark contrast with inalienable individual entitlements. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness have become increasingly applied to sanctifying the rights of the individual and protecting the ability to own property and amass material wealth. How we square our commonality and individualism has always engendered fierce national debate. This tug-of-war between the common good and individual rights, often narrowly reserved for white, straight men and systematically denied to others, has been our messy national story. Slavery to abolition, Jim Crow to civil rights, codified patriarchy to women's suffrage, discrimination to legalize gay marriage. We inch along, bumper to bumper, down the highway of the moral universe. We have, from time to time, coalesced to dull the sharper edges of capitalism, a graduated income tax, social security, unemployment benefits, Medicare and Medicaid, student loans, and SNAP. And we have surfed waves of alternative community-based approaches to living built on shared resources and distributed leadership. But that sea has now flattened. And for a good 50 years, America has been dominated by unrepentant individual materialism, unbridled capitalism in cahoots with neoliberalist government has put its fat finger on the scale, tilting the balance between we and I so wickedly that now three people in the United States own more collective wealth than the bottom 50% combined. Of course, this grotesque inequity is the exact conundrum we set out to address in declaring our independence in the first place. From the captain's chair 
of my dusty Prius, I reliably estimate I can see a thousand cars of every conceivable color and size across this sprawling 10-lane highway, in front of me and behind, moving with me and against. There are tens of thousands more. Driving these sedans, pickup trucks, 18-wheelers, and minivans are operators of every color and creed, race and religion, class and orientation, moving as if under the direction of Esther Williams. The throughway is a poignant, if banal, portrait of a well-oiled social contract. We eschew certain rights to receive greater ones. With minor exception, we don't drive 100 miles an hour, and in turn, we have the luxury of a road to travel and a safe return home. Road traffic serves as a rare alignment of self-interest and common good. We drive mindfully, only as fast as the car in front of us. We brake when needed and let people merge in regardless of tint. The consequences of our autonomous actions are mutual. Recklessness results in a collective wreck. We may not share a destination, but we do share a meritocratic destiny. Nobody gets downtown before anyone else. Here, on the interstate, the intersection of shared humanity and self-preservation, the common good, and individual rights, is in perfect and ordinary lockstep. Our individual freedoms are dependent on each other. As I take the Topanga exit, I can't help but superimpose this metaphor on COVID, which is again spiking dramatically across the United States with 40,000 new daily cases. The solution to stanching the spread is, or was, hidden in plain sight. There is a playbook that other countries have successfully executed. Mask wearing, social distancing, identifying clusters, extensive testing and contact tracing, and quarantine of the infected. It works, and businesses can remain partially open. But this plan is predicated on social cohesion, stemming from the willingness of an entire citizenry to put social good above perceived self-interest. In other words, you must get in your lane, put on some music, go slow, and shut the heck up. Eventually, you'll get there. I can only imagine the patriotic pride felt among Kiwis, Taiwanese, Irish, Norwegians, and Icelanders. Through shared sacrifice, they collectively stepped up to meet the greatest public health challenge of the millennia and conquered it together. Yet, in America, with our competing masks of patriotism, our greatest enemy has become each other. Our much-celebrated rugged individualism not only currently prevents us from entering Europe, but many Americans cannot even travel to Connecticut. In the end, there is both an irony and a beauty to the communal embrace of interdependence, a realization that our individual freedoms and the collective good are actually one and the same. And perhaps our framers, despite their personal hypocrisies, were wise enough to comprehend this. There is a spiritual lesson in this, and it's not a novel one. The self is illusory. 
And this illusion, the notion that we are all distinct individuals living among other separate individuals in an external universe, is at the core of income inequality, racism, climate change, the unfettered spread of COVID, and just about every other source of human misery. Our ability to solve these existential riddles will stem from a collective spiritual revelation as much as a political resolve. Does this tragedy end like others? The king who daily dons an orange mask in front of his vanity but is too proud to wear a real one gets the virus? While I pray not, this Shakespearean thought makes me laugh in despair. But not too hard. I'm driving after all. I think about my Nana telling me stories in the car, fables of America and the promise of its dream. I glance at Micah, wondering what stories am I going to tell her children's children. I wish you all a happy Interdependence Day.